when you are in large part lending your mind to the voice of the world through television, the internet, through school and worldly friends or co-workers, when your life is being much more influenced by the spirit of the world than it is by the spirit of Jesus Christ, you are just simply going to be much more vulnerable to their solutions, their ideas, their answers. You're just going to be very open. Anyone who earnestly wants to follow Christ will recognize that there's a cleverly disguised trap just waiting for them to fall into. That trap is the wisdom of this world. This counterfeit wisdom is really seductive because it caters to our fallen nature. In this episode, we'll explore some of the dangers of worldly wisdom as it expresses itself in our Western context. Then we'll point you to the only one who is truly wise, the only one who is worthy of our trust, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us on Purity for Life. Stay with us. Jesus told us that we should seek first the kingdom of God. When we make seeking God our primary focus in life, we're going to encounter him, and he will uproot the sins and the false teachings from the world that have influenced us. To start off the show, we'll play an interview with Steve Gallagher about his book, Intoxicated with Babylon. It's a book that charges Christians to come out of the world system and to live set apart for God. In this interview, Pastor Steve talks about the difference between the wisdom of God and the wisdom that comes from the world. We hope this interview gives you a greater desire to be governed by God alone. Steve Gallagher has joined me in the studio today. Steve is the founder of Pure Life Ministry. Steve, thanks so much for stopping by. Great to be here, Mike. Steve, we want to talk today about the wisdom of cosmos. Uh, you discussed this at some length in your book, Intoxicated with Babylon. And in that chapter where you discuss the subject, you talk about the Western mind and how that has permeated so much of Christianity in America today. What did you mean by the Western mind? Well, Paul differentiates in the book of First Corinthians between the Jewish mindset and the Greek mindset. The Jewish mindset was very much tied up in nationalistic fervor for the Messiah and the temple and so on. But the Greeks had a different way of approaching life, and it was through what they would call wisdom, Sophia. You know, Athens was the cultural center of Greek philosophy, and the whole approach to looking at spirituality came through the processes of these different theories that they would spin, you know, as they sat around and discussed things. So to put it in a nutshell, the Western mind is simply a way to describe people who approach the Word of God and life's problems and so on through human logic mm. rather than through what God has accomplished in a person's heart. Mm. Well, Steve, God did give us a mind, obviously. So what's wrong with approaching life's issues using the natural reasoning mind? We have to remember that 
Paul said, The mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, and it's not even able to do so. There is a very profound truth in that statement, and here it is. We have a a nature that has fallen because of our sin disposition. And left to ourselves, our mind is going to revolve around self and selfishness and the way we want things to be and pride and all of those things. So, you know, when we're approaching spiritual matters, to just depend upon the logic of the human mind is dangerous because it's founded upon a faulty foundation. Let me answer it this way, Mike. Um, I've said to audiences before, usually pastors, the difference between a discerning spirit and a critical spirit is brokenness, you know, because they both use the human mind to look at a person's faults and weaknesses and struggles. But an unbroken person looks at those faults through a self-righteous perspective. But a person who has undergone the processes of God's discipline and knows what it means to be broken, who has gone through Calvary and has had his own sin issues dealt with, that person is going to look at another person's faults and struggles with a completely different mindset. It's going to be the mind of Christ that he is going to look at those problems. And therein lies the difference between godly discipleship and most of the therapy that is being utilized under the guise of Christian psychology in the United States today. Well, you jump right to the subject. We do want to talk about psychology, especially psychotherapy, in the church today. One of the things that comes up when we talk about subjects like this, Steve, is just really kind of a logical perspective. If I break my finger, I go to the doctor. You know, if my car is not working, I take it to the (laughs) car doctor or whatever. Uh, So why not, if my mind is broken, why not go to the psychologist who I guess is supposed to be the expert in the mind? Because the mind isn't the problem. The heart is the problem. And until you get the heart straightened out, you can't straighten out the mind. And the problem is we all have faulty minds. You know, uh, the psychologist has a faulty mind. And if that psychologist hasn't truly been to the cross, like I described a minute ago, and has gone through that process himself, then he's in no condition spiritually to lead someone else there. You cannot lead another person spiritually any further than you've gone yourself. You can spend 20 years studying all the different uh, nuances of psychology and the different theories and therapies and become the world's leading expert. But if you haven't been to the cross and you don't know what it's like to have the mind of Christ, you're not going to do anything of any value to help Christians live a victorious Christian life. And that really is the goal. The goal isn't for a person to feel better. A goal is to be victorious in their walk in Christ. The only way a person's really going to have fulfillment in life is to find it in Christ. The problem is that a lot of people don't want to go to the cross because they want to stay in control of their lives. They don't want to give up anything. They want to fit their lives around their worldly pursuits and so on. And, you know, the truth is that for the most part, psychology teaches a form of life that you don't have to go to the cross. It's an Mm -hmm. alternative to going to the cross. Well, in fact, you've said it is a false substitute 
for going to the cross, or it is a line of thought that loves self as opposed to denying self. Right. Yeah. So, you know, if you don't want to deny self and you don't even want to go in that direction, psychology is a great option for you. And there is such a tremendous movement to accept that in the church. And very often we see this in the form of what we call integrationism, where the perspective is that we ought to integrate this worldly philosophy with the Word of God. What is the problem with that? Well, the problem is that they are completely conflicting in what they're teaching. You're either going to the cross with your life, with your teachings, with what you are sharing with others, or you're going away from the cross and finding some way to comfort people in their sin. You know, and that's really the difference. You can't combine those two opposing philosophies. It's impossible. Mm, They really are oil and water. Well, Steve, let me just ask you, and I know that you go into this at great length in the rest of uh, your book, Intoxicated with Babylon, but what is it about the church today? Uh, What is it about God's people today that opens us up to the acceptance of these kinds of ideas? Well, when you are in large part lending your mind to the voice of the world through television, through the internet, through school and and worldly friends or co-workers, when your life is being much more influenced by the spirit of the world than it is by the spirit of Jesus Christ, you are just simply going to be much more vulnerable to their solutions, their ideas, their answers. You know, you're just going to be very open to hearing those kinds of teachings. You've been helping men and women in sexual sin for over 20 years now. It's your experience that despite the fact that some look at Christianity and look at the Word of God as being too simple to handle what they call the deep emotional problems of man, it's your experience that there is a true power in Christ to overcome those problems. You know what I have found, Mike, is that people, and I I had enormous emotional problems myself. I really did. But I have found this to be true, not only in my own life, but in the lives of many that I've dealt with over the years, is that when Jesus Christ has his rightful place in a person's life, when a person has really gotten a good sight of the Lord, when a person is really connected with the Lord through a strong devotional life, and when a person has gone to the cross and so on, Those problems that may have seemed like a mountain before quickly become nothing more than a molehill. You know, it's just true that when God is big, problems become small. But one of the greatest challenges that we have dealing with people who are struggling is that God has been very tiny Mm. in their life. All the attractions and pleasures of the world have been huge and God has been tiny. Well, of course, their problems are going to be huge as well. So our job at Pure Life Ministries is to turn that equation around and make God very big in their minds and hearts. And when we are able to accomplish that for a person, then their problems are going to be very manageable. Yeah. Amen. Well, Steve, I hope that'll be an encouragement to those uh, who may be listening, who may have bounced uh, back and forth from all kinds of worldly wisdom looking for an answer to know that there is an answer for them, there is hope for them, uh, and it is found at the cross in Christ. Absolutely. Amen. Steve Gallagher, thanks so much. Glad to be here. There's a great danger to being subjected to worldly wisdom. Without us even being aware of it, 
This barrage of lies teaches us to be cynical and distrusting of everyone around us. This might seem harmless. After all, we know that we're being lied to. But when that atmosphere of cynicism is turned toward God, it's fatal. In this interview from our World of Lies series, Pastor Ed Buch helps us to come to grips with some of the lies that we've believed so that we can renounce them in favor of God's truth. We named this show World of Lies a Concealed Threat because what we wanted to emphasize was that not only are we constantly being confronted with the danger of deception, but we're also threatened in a way that we might not expect. And if we're not careful, the fundamental way that we relate to truth may begin to shift, which leads into even greater deception. Let me explain these shifts again. On the one hand, we know we're being lied to, and we may become cynical, which leads to a loss of simple, childlike faith in God. And on the other hand, we might get so focused on an issue and we think we're in pursuit of truth, but as we become consumed with it, we're exaggerating its importance and then we miss the full picture of reality as God sees it. So I asked Pastor Ed Book, our director of counseling, to come in because I think he'll be able to help us see how the typical sexual addict has been deceived in both of these areas. Pastor Ed, thanks for joining me. It's great to be here, Nate. Thank you. We're going to discuss these two concealed threats in the life of a professing Christian in sexual sin, but what I want to do first is discuss some of the lies that men believe when they're in sexual sin. A lot of the stuff that culture is telling us through the media, th these are really obvious lies. Um, but what I hoped we could get at today was the lies that men are telling themselves that allows them to stay in sexual sin. Well, every sin uh, that a person commits is really founded on a lie. So by the time someone has become addicted to sexual sin, there are quite a few lies at work in their life, honestly. Uh, so many, I can't possibly name them all. Yeah. And we tend to focus on two or three really big ones that I know we've talked about in other uh, Purity for Life episodes. Things like my sexual sin is just a little problem or right. I'm really a good person, right. which means you know I've, I'm actually a good husband, a good father father, a good yeah. Christian, yep, yep. good son, all of that. But uh, today I'm trying to focus for you on some of the sorts of things that uh, a person uses to deceive himself, like you said. Okay. So, uh, And really there are lies that I would cluster around uh, just giving themselves a false assurance of their salvation or their forgiveness, their standing before the Lord. Right. So, uh, for example, when the Bible says that the sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom, um, people say, well, that doesn't apply to me because I'm saved. I've, I've said the sinner's prayer. I've been baptized. Some Something that they've hung their salvation on yeah. that excuses them from biblical truth. Uh, other times they'll use deceptive language, uh, saying things like, I'm, I'm struggling with sin, mm -hmm. rather than really calling it what the Bible does, slavery uh, and bondage to the will of the devil. Yeah, you know, yeah. That's a lot stronger and yes. a lot more meaningful. And there are a lot of excuses that we uh, hang on to that are really deceptive. Uh, things like uh, looking at pornography doesn't hurt anyone. 
if my mm-hmm. wife would just give me what I need, I wouldn't be doing this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everyone sins. Uh, I just happen to have this issue that I'm struggling with, and, and God doesn't expect me to be perfect. He understands that I'm trying. Sure. One of the things that I've seen in my own life is that when I'm deceiving myself about an issue, <laughs> deep down I know this isn't working. I'm telling myself these lies, and it's supposed to help me, so to speak. But really, I know that I'm just covering something over, and it's totally a shabby covering because I'm not free inside. And um, one of the things that Pastor Steve mentioned was that deceiving ourselves can lead us to a place where we're not just deceived, but we're cynical then about truth in general. And I wondered if you could maybe give our listeners a definition of cynicism and then show how that is played out in the life of, of someone in sexual sin. Sure. Uh, in fact, it's kind of uh, interesting when you sent me the title for this episode, I had to look up the word cynicism. Just, you know, it's one of those words, you kind of use it at times, yeah. but what does it really mean idea. if I'm going right. to be asked to give a definition? <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, so I looked it up and it says, uh, cynical means distrusting or disparaging the motives of others or showing contempt for accepted standards of honesty or morals. Uh, so a synonym would be distrust, for example, okay. but it's distrust arising from the experience of being disappointed or let down by others. So it's distrust that's tinged with bitterness, if you will. Okay. Uh, other synonyms that uh, would you would find listed are pessimism or doubt, but it's doubt arising from the suspicion uh, in a Christian's life, that the suspicion that God's standards are impossible and okay. everyone is really a hypocrite anyway. Right. So it's a doubt that that's tinged with sarcasm or a pessimism that's tinged with contempt, uh, really. And if you look up the opposites, uh, the antonyms, you'll see words like belief, certainty, confidence, faith, trust. So you can see that cynicism is really quite devilish and flies mm-hmm. in the face of everything that God's trying to instill in mm-hmm. his people. Yeah, and and that that kind of goes back to... Uh, the idea that if we deceive ourselves, we or we're trying to deceive ourselves, we know that something's still not right. But they have to they have to figure something out mm-hmm. to keep up the the charade and the facade. Um, so how does that cynical mindset keep them from having a real breakthrough? Well, uh, when guys come into the Pure Life program struggling with sexual sin, uh, we find that they're really skeptical uh, about whether there really is freedom from sexual sin. Yeah. They doubt that the Bible is really the inspired word of God. Mm. Even if they say that they believe that, they yeah. don't really respond to it as if they believe that. Uh, they're highly doubtful that the Bible is sufficient to address their problems. Uh, it's going to take much more than just that in their minds. Um, they filter everything through their experience. Uh, uh, things aren't true until I decide it's true. So yeah. you have a lot of barriers there uh, that prevent them from getting the breakthrough, uh, and you have to work through all of that. I mean, in a, in a sense, it's almost like if you're looking at it from just a natural standpoint, 
this is an impossible situation. But we, yeah, we know that obviously the Lord is able. So what are the things that really help them to find freedom? Yeah, uh, there are several things that we really rely on. One is the Word of God itself. Uh, That's the basis for our biblical counseling, and we give the men uh, in the program a lot of biblical homework, uh, and that's ensuring that they're getting a daily dose of truth. So the truth is eventually going to overtake some of this lie, Mm. uh, the lies that they've bought into. And uh, so when we bring them into the program, uh, you know, we have to pray these men through the cynical barriers that they've erected against God, against his word, against the very sources of help and hope that God's leading them into. Mm -hmm. Um, We literally spend hours uh, praying for the men in our program and also teaching them how to pray and Mm -hmm. intercede for Mm -hmm. others. So it's Mm -hmm. not just us praying them through. They're learning to pray and turn to the Lord and intercede for others as well. Uh, I would also cite the atmosphere that we've created on our 45-acre campus here in Kentucky because uh, I think it's a critical, though maybe often overlooked, aspect of overcoming cynicism. Uh, It's hard to overcome something like cynicism when you're immersed in the culture and surroundings that give birth to it. Oh, yeah. And uh, then if we do a good job with all of that, uh, the loving discipleship that we offer them, Mm -hmm. I think, really allows the love of God to start to become real to them. And um, and all of that works together to play a major role in overcoming their inherent cynicism. That's encouraging to hear, and I would think for a listener, because anyone who is at least sensitive at all to the times that we live in, it's like, how can anything stand up against this flood of deception? But God's truth will prevail if we will embrace that and ask him to help us to embrace that. Yes. And, you know, that's one of the things that I see because we have a nine-month program. There are these different, uh, we call them kairos moments Mm. in a man's life that will happen while he's there in the program. And he, he can be stubbornly resistant, just clinging to his lies. Uh, but all of a sudden, somehow, in ways only God understands, he breaks through into that in a ripe moment of time yeah. and and just manifests his truth to them, himself to them, in a way that breaks them and, and defeats that. And the yeah. whole thing, like the walls of Jericho, all those lies come uh, tumbling yeah. down all at once in his life and set him free to embrace the truth. Yeah, amen. And someone who's listening should take courage. And I want that. Yes. I want that. Yes. Do that in me also, Lord. Yes. And he will. And he does. Yeah. Amen. Let's move on to the second concealed threat that Pastor Steve identified in his interview, because it was really eye-opening to me. And the example that he gave was, if you take some issue And there's a level of truth in it, but you magnify or overemphasize the importance of that issue to the exclusion of other issues, then you have moved into the realm of deception. You've taken something that is true, but you've created a a, a deception around it. And I wonder how that kind of thing might play out in the life of a person who's being confronted with their sin. 
Yeah, and in fact, this situation is actually fairly common. Uh, sometimes it's as simple as someone using even aspects of the Word of God, uh, getting immersed in the book of Revelation or the end times or some other pet doctrine and okay. e- exclusively focusing on that uh, to the point where they're avoiding looking at their own heart issues in Scripture. Uh, or maybe it's a social issue like abortion and being passionate about uh, you know needing to take a stand against abortion and and talking and preaching and teaching about that sort of thing, but never really coming to grips with their own standing before the Lord in their uh, sin. Uh, In counseling here at uh, Pure Life, uh, men often try to redirect the counseling into peripheral issues uh, to avoid confronting the reality of who they are, to avoid taking responsibility for the reality of who they are. And these peripheral issues almost always involve either traumatic, painful episodes from their childhood okay. or teenage years. And, and I certainly don't want to minimize the, the trauma or the pain associated mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. those when we talk about them. But uh, they can be a peripheral issue uh, or the, they'll go uh, the other direction sometimes uh, and point to a current relationship in which they've been wronged or okay. misjudged or mistreated, disrespected, uh, some, some conflict conflicted relationship that they'll point to maybe with their, with their spouse, their parents, their pastor, uh, someone that they expected help and affirmation from, but they just didn't get what they were looking for out yeah. of that relationship. And whatever these uh, peripheral issues are, they hold a magnified place in the sex addict's life, just okay. like you mentioned. Uh, and that's really happens because he's living by his feelings and these things dominate his feelings. So he isn't necessarily uh, being deliberate in trying to redirect the counseling or deflect the help that's being offered to him. He simply is having a hard time getting past these huge emotional barriers. Okay. Uh, Ed. And then at the same time, uh, there is deep inside him somewhere an awareness that if he does acknowledge uh, this, if he does acknowledge the seriousness of his sin, then that illusion of who he is, that presentation that he's made to others of who he is and the man he wants to believe he is, yeah. all of that shatters and crumbles. Yeah, yeah. And there's just a natural tendency then to avoid facing the painful truth of his spiritual condition. So he realizes that he doesn't just have a behavior problem. He has a character problem. The very core of his being is corrupt. And so there's just a lot of fear and despair to deal with. And all of these peripheral issues, uh, you know, sidetrack the counseling if you let them. Hmm. And what a shame. I know the counselors probably feel this more acutely than, than any of us. The 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 sorrow in their hearts that if this man would just acknowledge and embrace it, he would come into the things that he's wanted for himself. You know, all the I, I'm I'm as I study this book of Revelation or as I fight for abortion, I'm looking for meaning, I'm looking for purpose, I'm looking for fulfillment. And if they would just go God's way, they would have what they're looking for. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Even that image that he's propped up, the only thing wrong with it is that it's false. It's the right Right. thing. And he can become what he's been projecting himself as, but he's got to start at the beginning with dealing with the corruption deep inside him. Yeah. Well, good. Thank you very much for coming in because I think that this will 
I, I the what we talked about today is in many ways the the essence of the solution which is going to unfold over the next 10 episodes just about how we must be focusing on what God sees as important and not as what we want to believe is important uh, and especially not if it's completely false exactly yes and thanks for having me here in Psalm 119 David asks a question that has haunted millions how can I a young man live a pure life then he answers the question when I guard my way according to God's word God's word is sufficient And when we guard our way according to his word, we can expect that our lives will begin to reflect his purity. We believe that God's word is the only source of true wisdom and that in it we have everything we need for this life, for godliness, and for preparation for eternity. In this interview, Jeff Colon shares with us the Bible-based counseling method that we use at Pure Life that brings people into a victorious Christian life. Jeff Colon has joined me in the studio today as we talk about the method of our counsel. Jeff, thanks for coming in. Thanks, Mike. It's good to be here with you. Jeff, you know, as men and women come to us, many of them have looked in a number of places for answers and have gotten a lot of different information. When we're looking at the method of our counsel, what is the foundation that we use for helping people with their problems? Well, Mike, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it tells us that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, that it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. And Mike, as a Christian, we have to realize that God's Word has everything we need to help a person out of a horrible pit of sin and into the will of God. You know, Jeff, I know that when many people look at the Word of God, they see that it is a book that talks about who God is, about salvation. But I think sometimes it's hard for people to grasp that it really does have something to say about the day-to-day problems that we deal with. So is there more to the Word of God than just overarching religious issues? as some may see it? Absolutely, Mike. If we would just get in the scriptures, we would realize that the Word of God addresses every kind of situation that a person is going to encounter in life. The joy I find in biblical counseling is that I know that whatever that person is dealing with across the table from me, that the Word of God is going to show me what the problem is, but also it's going to show me the way out. God never points out a problem in our life without giving us the answer right there, pointing it out, what the problem is, and and really basically what they had to do to deal with that issue. Okay. Well, based on that, then, as we look at our method of counseling those who are struggling with sexual addiction, with sexual sin, in much of counseling, both Christian and secular, people want to look at what's going on in our early years. Is there something about how addiction is formed that relates to, say, how we're growing up or the experiences that we go through as we're growing up? You know, we were created to worship God. We were created for God, but we also created to have fellowship with God. When we turned from that relationship that we had with God, there was a void left there. Hmm. And every child that's born in the earth is born with that need inside of them to be accepted, to be loved, which really only God can provide. And when they don't get that, because I don't know of a perfect mother or a perfect dad or a perfect situation that someone grows up with. So we grow up and there's things that happen to us. Children are even abused. 
And the problem is, is that they have that longing there. They're not getting it met. So they turn to other things to fill that void in their life. And the more they turn to that, they start getting addicted to what it's giving them. And that could be sex. It could be anything that is gratifying that need inside of them that longing inside of them that really only God can fill. Then how much am I really responsible for the choices and decisions I make now as an adult? We don't want to totally rule out the experiences, and I don't want to discount that they haven't had an effect on a child. But we got to remember that people choose to sin, and whether or not harm was inflicted on us or we made the choice ourselves, God calls us to deal with whatever we're facing biblically. Would you agree with the statement that a vast majority of the emotional problems that we see in adults today are rooted in our sinful condition, in our rebellion against God, or in our response to others around us who are in a sinful condition? Well, here's the problem, Mike. If we just deal with our problems on an emotional level, we're never really going to get to the heart of the matter. And the heart of the matter is we're born sinners, and our problem is a sin issue. And unless we deal with the problem from where it originates, we're never going to be free of whatever it is we're dealing with. Okay, so I think simply stated, we could say that most of the secular psychotherapy that uh, many are exposed to out there that only want to deal with the issue from an emotional level is going to fall very short of what God wants to do in someone's life. What about the Christian psychologist who often will say, we're going to deal with this at the emotional level, but yes, in fact, we also need to bring in the spiritual component. Is that going far enough, do you think, in really helping a person? Well, Mike, a lot of times when a Christian counselor approaches it in that way, he's still keeping it an emotional level problem. Unless we call it sin, unless there's true brokenness and repentance and a conforming our lives to the Word of God, there's going to be no true freedom. So the problem that we're dealing with then is a sin issue. It's a matter of the heart. Talk to us a little bit about uh, what the Bible has to say about the heart and the issue of sin. Well, Jesus tells us in the word of God, he said, from within, from out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these things proceed from within. And what that tells me, Mike, is that I'm not a product of my environment, that the problem lies within. And the Word of God is clear on that, and Jesus was clear on it. And that makes me responsible. Absolutely. Okay, then, you're a Christian counselor. You're talking to someone who has a condition of the heart. It's manifesting itself in whatever way. What is the role of the biblical counselor in helping this individual? The goal of the biblical counselor is to help them to see their problem the way God sees it. So we have to bring them to the scriptures and we have to show them what the Bible says about what they're doing or what they're bound in, and then also show them the way out. Actually get alongside of them and lead them through the word of God into the way of freedom. So when you're counseling someone or say I'm coming to you for counsel, I should expect from a biblical Christian counselor that they are going to deal with sin very forthrightly, very frankly, and that I'm going to be expected to respond to that. Yes, Mike, and I'd like to add they're going to deal with it lovingly Hmm. because we're not here to beat someone over the head with the word of God. Jesus loved the woman in sin. 
the woman at the well, and he wasn't afraid to point out that she was in sin, but he didn't leave her there. He pointed her to the true source of the living waters, which was himself. Well, in the time we have left, Jeff, I know sometimes people look at counseling. Uh, there's some great mystery to it that, you know, only the specially trained, only those who have the secrets can really understand it. But when it comes to biblical counseling, there really isn't any mystery to what takes place, is there? No, Mike, there isn't. Really, Mike, what a true biblical counselor does is they roll their sleeves up. They get in the mess with the person. That's what Jesus did for us. And then through the truths of Scripture, they lead that person out of the quagmire that they've been stuck in. And as that person learns to apply the Word of God to their situation, the Word of God does what it's supposed to do. It sets that person free, and they start realizing that as they are obedient to God, that he brings about in their life what they thought was impossible. And really, the Christian counselor is there to encourage him, to admonish him, to be alongside of him, to pray with him, and to just help him out through the process. So really, the Christian counselor is a facilitator of what God wants to do as the person responds to his authority and to his direction in the Word of God. Yes. Amen, Jeff. Thanks for talking to us about the method of our counsel. Thanks, Mike. I'd like to conclude by admonishing you with the words of the Apostle Paul to the Colossians. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. If we're choosing to follow Jesus Christ, that means we're choosing to be separate from the ideas of the world. So whether we look to the news, social media, science, or philosophy, it's our responsibility to make sure that we're taking all of those thoughts captive to the obedience of God's Word. Sometimes that means identifying specific influences in our lives that we know are worldly, that we know are keeping us from setting our minds on things above, and then cutting them out so that we might give ourselves more fully to Jesus. One thing is for sure. Knowing Jesus Christ and his word is all that we need in this life and all that we need to live a life pleasing to God. So as you immerse yourself in the truth and as the lies are pruned away, you're going to see God fulfill his promise in your life. You will know the truth and it will make you free. Thanks for joining us on Purity for Life. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.